Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. And I know you're in your homes and you're ready to worship God. And I just want to invite you into worship this morning. Hey, uh, during our time together today, we have ministers who are on Facebook. You may be watching us Facebook Live. You may be watching this at a recorded time. But we are, we are live here this morning and we have ministers online this morning. So if while we're in the process of worship this morning, you have a prayer request or you have uh, something, uh, a spiritual matter you would like to discuss, well, I'd invite you to reach out to one of our ministers online or either you can, you can reach us online and email us at our website or you can call us here this morning. We have people in the office that are waiting to, uh, to talk to you. If you would like to talk and pray with someone live this morning, uh, you can dial 931-526-7108. Uh, as we worship with our distanced, uh, our distanced positions, we recognize that God is near our heart. He draws us to himself. He does work in your life and my life, and it's good for us to be able to communicate about what God's doing in your life this morning. So we invite you to an engaging time of worship this morning as we will sing together, and uh, we'll have a choir special this morning. We, Greg's uh, taken a recording from a couple weeks ago and just gives us that, that, that feeling of being together again. I love that. Miss the people, miss the faces, and uh, miss ministering to you face-to-face. But I'm glad we have this avenue this morning to worship. Let me pray for us and uh, we'll sing together. Father, thank you for this day. We love you, Lord. We're grateful that we can come together and worship you this morning. I pray your hedge of protection around us, Father. I pray your blessings upon us. And Lord, most of all, I pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would touch us in a way that only you can this morning, God, inviting us into your presence, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'll do the work that needs to be done in our lives, and we'll be receptive to that this morning as we sing praises to you and as we study your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. It's a beautiful morning to praise the Lord and worship him. Would you sing with this morning the solid rock?
shall come its trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. solid right. He's the foundation which all of Christianity is built upon. He's the foundation we should build our lives upon. He is uh, the, the one who protects us in our trials. He protects us in the darkest nights. He protects us and pulls us through the overwhelming flood of temptations we face daily. But that's not the only thing God is. And in fact, I would even say there is a characteristic of his that, that overwhelms everything. He is all those things, but his number one thing is mercy. God gives us mercy. If he did not give mercy, we would be nothing. If you look at the scriptures, if you think about Peter for a minute, he denied Christ three times. Without mercy, there would be no Peter. You got David. He had a fling with Bathsheba. If there was no mercy, if God didn't show him mercy, he would not have been the great leader that he was. There's Paul. Do we need to talk about Paul? Without mercy, Paul... What happens to him? What does he do? He does nothing. It's God's mercy. There are countless examples in the Bible that show God's mercy. And I would dare say that if you examined your own life today, you could see God's mercy walking through your life. Where you've done something, you've made a wrong decision, but God has showed mercy. And alas, in, in 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 the biggest form of mercy, if you know him, God has shown you mercy as a sinner and saved you. So this morning, as we continue on, as we sing this next song, Let's remember God's mercy because his mercy is more. What love could remember no wrongs we have done? Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience could wait as we constantly roam? What Father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is Of kindness he lavished on us, 
His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. He stood in the debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Right, right. 
so much for your love, your love that came down to this earth, lived among us, died for us so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, without your mercy, without your love, we are nothing. Um, And Lord, we see so much in our own lives where your love is present, where your mercy is present. Uh, And Lord, that just comes from your goodness and from your greatness. So Lord, as we continue on this service as the choir, as we listen to a recording from a few weeks back, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts through the music. I pray that when Scott comes in and, and and shares the message you've given him, Lord, that you would speak directly to our hearts, Lord. Let us know of your mercy. Let us know of your love. Let it awaken our souls, Lord, so that we can be in fellowship with you, Lord, and follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, good morning, church. Good to be with you this morning. Let me invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 17. Psalm chapter 17 will be our text for today. And I'm kind of, I'll set it up for you a little bit. Last week, uh, we read, and I hope you're reading with us through the Bible together chronologically this year. And if you've just joined in and you're like, I don't know where you are, I don't know uh, what you're doing, uh, we want to invite you to reach out to us this week, either online or, or call the church office, and we can give you a reading plan. But we are reading through the Bible chronologically and preaching through it as we go. So uh, normally we'd have several opportunities during a week to discuss this in small groups and, and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Those things are a little bit different now. So I'm, I'm picking a, a text and highlighting a text that shows us as we journey through God's Word, it shows us the redemptive nature, the love of God, how from the beginning of creation, how He created perfectly, how sin came into this world, and it separated us from God, how a loving God reaches out and redeems us to himself. And how that has changed as we walk through the, the Bible, how we see God strategically work through the lives of human beings and he reaches out to them. We see Jesus as the, the crown of, of all and, and we see him come and die on a cross at Calvary offering his own life as a sacrifice for our sin, and we know that God will return one day. We know that Jesus Christ will come back for the church. Uh, all things that God has promised have come true, and, and we are looking towards the day when Jesus will return. So we, I, I'm picking a text that will show us this. And this week we looked at, we looked at two people this week, uh, a lot of time spent with Saul and David. And as we looked at the life of Saul, and we looked at the life of David, what bit we looked at this week, we see that those two men were in pursuit. They were seeking something. And uh, I titled the sermon today, Seeking God. I hope that my life, I hope that your life, I hope that our lives together are focused on seeking God. That is, that is what defines us, that we are seeking God in our life. And I hope you're doing that. If you are not, I would like to invite you into that opportunity. I'd like for you to look at really your life and where you are in life and what you're truly seeking because we see in the life of David and we see in the life of Saul what they sought in their life, what they were seeking in their life, how it affected the direction of their life. Saul was seeking the approval of people. Saul was seeking uh, to be the, the, the king and, and to gain that, that opportunity. And he was seeking the people's uh, accolades for his leadership. And one of the things we see the greatest pursuit in his life was his pursuit was David. Uh, he wanted to he wanted to destroy David, so he was he was pursuing David. But we see David in his life; uh, he was pursuing God. He consistently, uh, as we look through the the scriptures and read, we see that David consistently uh, walked and and lived his life seeking God. So I want to look in our text this morning, understanding that that Saul was seeking. David and David was seeking God and and our lives are in a pursuit of something I pray that your life is in pursuit of God I want to read chapter 17 the, the very last verse of chapter 17 and I want to I will preach out of the NASB today So if you turn in your Bibles, you're maybe looking on a device and you're wondering what what text I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible is what I use typically I want to read this verse, though, in the uh, CSB because it highlights three words 
words, the way uh, it's translated, it highlights three words that I want to focus our attention on today. And uh, Psalm 17, verse 15, says this. It says, but I will see your face in righteousness. So he's, he's saying, David is saying, I will see your face in righteousness when I awake. I will be satisfied with your presence. And I want to focus in on three words there. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. So awake, satisfied, and presence will be what will frame the message this morning. And, and we see that David is saying, I will see, hear the certainty in that, I will see your face in righteousness. I hope that that is a certainty for every one of us that we recognize that in our lives we will see God. We, we will see God. Every person who ever draws a breath created by God, every person will be in the presence of God. We will see God face to face. And we will know who He is, whether it be our last day, whether we've rejected Him all of our life. There will be a day when we will see King Jesus face to face. We will see him on his throne. We will recognize his deity. We'll we'll recognize his lordship. Scripture tells us that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So there will be a time when every one of us will see God face to face. And David said, I will see your face in righteousness. He, he said, I will recognize that you are righteous and I will see your righteousness when, and there, here's the key, when I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. So I want to key in on those three words and I want us to think about our lives. I want us to think about what is it in our life, what is it that we are in pursuit of? Because every one of us, every person in this room, every person that's joined in by media, every one of us are in pursuit of something. We're either pursuing our own earthly desires, our own personal interest, or we're pursuing God and His interest for our life and His will for our life. So David shows us that. He models it really well. He says, when I awake, Saul was out, as I said, to destroy David. And we see there's, there's just almost comical two occurrences where, where David is first time in a cave in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2. He's in a cave and he and his 600 men are hiding in the, the recesses of this cave from King Saul. And Saul enters that, that cave for a moment. And he is unaware that David is even in the space. And David walks up and slips in behind him and clips the corner of his robe off. The men behind him said, David, David, God has delivered Saul in your hands. Take him. But David, recognizing the authority of God and depending upon God to, to do all things in his life, to lead him, and, and depending on God to fight his own battles. God, David says, no, this is the king anointed by God. I will not take the king's life into my hands. I will trust that God will bring him to his ruin in God's timing, not in my timing. And David knew that it would be murder if he went in there and took 
King Saul's life. So he, he would not do that. He just said, you know, I'll trust in the Lord. And then we see in 1 Samuel 26, verse 7 through 11, that wasn't the last opportunity that David had with King Saul in his hand. David, David entered the camp where King Saul was asleep. And not only was he asleep, but all of his men were asleep. And he had, they had all gone to sleep. And he, he took, David took the jug, the water jug, and the sword by the king's head. He could have taken the king's life. But once again, he valued God's anointed. He valued God's ability to take care of Saul in his time. And it wasn't his responsibility to take his life. So when we think about this, we see Saul is the pursuing enemy of David. And Saul had chosen to fall asleep. Of course, we're all going to fall asleep uh, physically at some time in our life. <laughs> we've got we to rest. And Saul was resting. But all of his men were resting at the same time. And what a, a tragedy that was. But the greatest tragedy is not that Saul was in a precarious position and, and vulnerable to David. The, the greatest tragedy of Saul's life is that he was not just physically asleep. But Saul was spiritually asleep. Saul's life had been lulled to sleep. He had made some decisions along the journey that had taken him from being a man who would seek God to a man who would seek himself and seek the things of this world. So we see in Saul's life the over and over, the repetition of him to move away from the will of God and look to himself. So knowing that Saul was spiritually asleep positioned him in a very bad situation, David had Saul in his hands, but David trusted God. And as a Christian, we must awake. We must awaken. We must become awakened. I, I think these days are teaching us something. It's teaching us the, the very importance in our life of awakening to what really matters. There's, there's so much in our life that in the norm of our life weeks and months ago that we were just so busy about that we're not busy about today. And really and truly, a lot of those things were not that important. But we'd, we'd busied our life up to and almost lulled ourselves to sleep in the things that are so important in our life. We all fight a battle. And I want to key in on this for a moment. We all fight a battle. We're in a battle in our life. Saul was pursuing David and David was in a battle to protect himself from Saul, but he was trusting in the Lord but we all have an enemy. We've all got an enemy that's pursuing us. And the enemy for me is the same enemy for you. Satan is in pursuit of our life. He would love to destroy us. John 10.10 10 says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his desire. Satan's desire is to destroy your life. You can believe that or not, but Satan wants to destroy you. Just as much as Saul wanted to destroy David, Satan wants to destroy you. So we need to be awakened to that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Satan is seeking to devour someone. I would say today that you can position yourself clearly under the hedge of God and he can't devour you. But if you're not living under the hedge of God, if you're not seeking God, if you're not living with the desire to have God as your protector, your provider, I'm telling you, you're very vulnerable for an attack from Satan. 
So here, Peter's telling us, be, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And, and many people, maybe even you, have fallen asleep at life. You, you've sat back, you've gotten relaxed, you've gotten comfortable, you've gotten complacent, you've gotten focused on the wrong thing, you've lived your life focusing on the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of this world, the pursuit of the American dream or, or some other dream. You've set your sights in pursuit on the things of this world that will not give eternal reward. So uh, we need to be awakened in our life. We need to be awakened to the fact that, that God's offering us something very, very special, something that is a deal changer, a life changer, an eternity changer. He's invited us into an intimate, personal, daily relationship. I'm not talking about just a, a religion. I'm not talking about something that we can attend once a week in our life or, or a moment here and a moment there or when we desperately need Him. I'm talking about an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of this universe has invited me, invited you into a very special relationship. We need to awaken to that. Our, our lives have been so culturally shifted, uh, and I don't mean that this is uh, applicable to everybody, but I believe it's applicable to many. Our, our lives have been culturally shifted. Television has been something that we have all tuned into. Uh, I believe most of us, anyhow, I hate to use the word all because not all have, but most have. Most of our lives have been shaped by what we've seen, what, what has come into our, our lives. And, and the Bible talks about that. The eye is the lamp of the body, and that which comes in, can, it can affect us. It can change us. And our, our lives have been conditioned or desensitized, in a sense, uh, to certain things uh, in our life. We, we see patterns of life that are introduced, unbiblical patterns of life are introduced through the television and, and then slowly but surely as we are audiences of that unbiblical lifestyle, our, uh, we become more tolerant of that and less shocked by that. There's uh, less of a shock factor in our life. And uh, we become very desensitized to the things of God, the desire of God, and we find ourselves living in a world that is confusing at times. We've also um, become very busy in life. We, we've busied our lives up so much. We, we've added so many things to our life that, that we don't let the main thing be the main thing. We get confused about what the main thing is because we've got so many things. And I know that the last days have put us in a place where there's not as many things going on in my life, not as many things going on in your life. What an amazing time for us to understand, to recognize, to focus in on what the main thing should be. And I'm going to tell you personally, I'm sitting here before uh, just a few people in the pews and the praise team's here and, and uh, a couple of guys uh, helping you see this today. But uh, things have changed. Things are not what they were. And and there's a recognition that the main thing is not always what we may think is the main thing. The main, main thing in my life now is re I'm recognizing that the importance of relationship, the importance of, of community, the importance of being able to get together and, uh, and, and do things. And, and I'm not talking about just doing anything. The greatest importance in our entire life is to come together and worship a risen Savior. We, we celebrated Jesus last week, uh, Easter. 
that we don't have a Savior who's dead. We don't have a Savior that resides in a tomb. We have a Savior that's on a throne. We have a Savior that arose, and for 40, 40 days he was visible before people. He spoke to people, ate with people, spent time with people, and 500 witnesses that were alive in the writing of that, most of which were alive in the writing of the text, uh, were witness to, eyewitness to his life after death that God raised him from the dead. And they bodily, physically, literally watched him ascend into heaven, Acts tells us in chapter 1. And he said that he would return and he'd give us the Spirit of God as a comforter while he was gone. And John, he tells us that, but he says he's going to come back. He says, I, I go to prepare a place for you. And, and I'm going to come back to you and receive you to myself. So it is very important that we, we focus on the main thing. And the main thing is eternity. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. So right now, we can, we can get it right. We can, we can look at our life. We can focus in on what the main thing is. We can understand what's important. We can awaken to what's very important in life. Are, are you awakened to what's important in your life? I mean, what, what's really important. How about relationships? I, I know that our family relationships have changed uh, greatly here lately. Uh, I hear many families talking, saying, well, we've got more family time. This is special time. Uh, fa- folks are working from home. They're able to interact a lot more and, and spend more time together, and, and families are drawing back in. And I believe that is an amazing work uh, that should have happened in our lives. It, it shouldn't take something like the coronavirus to do that, but I'm glad that we recognize the, the value of families coming together. I hope your families always recognize that, but if not, I hope you're, you're cherishing these moments together and uh, enjoying times together. I know there are people that are viewing this right now that says, you know, I don't have anybody. I'm alone. And uh, you recognize the value of community probably more than ever now. The value of being able to gather and come together and worship a risen Savior. So I, I just want us to awaken to that. And, and, and when I say awaken, you have to say to me, what do you mean awaken? How do I awaken? What does that look like to awaken? David was awakened to God. He, he was sensitive to the leadership of God. We see that in the text. Saul was uh, not awake. He was asleep spiritually and even we see uh, physically there. So what does it take to awaken? It, it, it means that we would turn our attention, that we would awaken by turning our attention in these moments to focus in on the will of God. The will of God is that we would live lives that are, that are sanctified, that we would, we would turn our attention to Him. We'd see the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, we would recognize the, the sinfulness of our lives and we'd, we'd understand what Greg was singing about, the mercy of God this morning. And we'd say, praise God for a merciful God. I mean, I, I'm, I'm living a life that, that is marked by sin and, and I've got a Savior who says, I want to mark it by mercy. And I just praise God that we have a merciful Savior who will look upon our life and say, wow, I, I, though I'm wrong and, and though I've messed up, though I've, I've lived my life in ways that would, would embarrass me and, and shame the holy God, really, that, that God loves me enough to look down from heaven and say, you're valuable, I want to redeem you. And we see that through the text. The redemptive hand of God being extended to humans. And, and he's, still, he's still extending that redemptive hand. And he says, I, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. 
And I want, you to, I want you to look away from the things of this world long enough to look at me and see what my will, what my plan for your life is. I want you to live in righteousness. And David says that, uh, he says, I, I will see your face in righteousness. Well, God is righteous. God is holy. So we see his face in righteousness when we awaken, when the, when the spirit within us awakens and draws close to God. God says in James chapter 4, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Resist the devil and he'll flee. What a, what a powerful moment of praise when we recognize we can draw near to God. We can be awakened to his will and, and, and seek his will. We can look at our, our own lives and see the sinfulness in us and say, Lord, I, I'm a sinner, and, and I've done things that are despicable, and, and, and I've, I've done things that are embarrassing, and I've, I've done things I'm not proud of. But you, Lord, you died on a cross for me, and I, I just want to thank you for that. I want to praise you for that. I want to praise you that the penalty of my sin has been paid because in Romans it tells us that the wage of sin is death, and, and you died the death for the cost of my sin and I just want to thank you for that. I want, to, I want to turn from that sin. I don't want to continue to live to disappoint you. I want to live to praise you. So, Lord, I, I, I want to change that in my life. I want to have more of a God focus instead of a me focus. I want to look to your will. I want to turn from my sin. And I want to fall in love with you, God. I want to long for you. And that, that's, what, that's what awakening is, a spiritual awakening that longs for God, that says, I, I long to be with him. I, I want to be in his presence. I, I, I love God. I, I know God loves me. And i got to read this in chapter 17 of Psalm, verse 6. It says this, I have called upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my speech. Listen, listen to what David's saying there. And this is a prayer that David's praying. He says, I have called upon you. Why? Why well, call upon him? Because you will answer me. David has, has experienced God answering his prayer. I hope as you're sitting here this morning, as you're hearing this message, you can think about times in your life when you know God heard your prayer. God is a God who hears prayers. God is a God that, that when we, we bow before him and we turn our prayer to him and, and we have an open heart and we're desiring his will to be done in our lives, we're, we're wanting to turn from sin, we're sorry for our sin, we're, we're seeking a Savior. He says, all that seek me will find me. First Chronicles 28, 9 says that. Jeremiah 29, 13 says that when we seek him with all our heart, we will find him. So we have a God who wants us to seek him and is willing to be found by us. When we, when we pray, he wants to hear it. He hears us. He, he wants you to know he hears us. So we fall in love with God and we long to hear his voice. We long to hear him in our lives. So that's what an awakening would look like. That's, that's what it looked like for me to be awakened, for you to be awakened. That, that we would want his will in our life. We'd seek that. We'd seek him. We'd, we'd ask him to forgive us of our sin. We'd, tur- we'd turn from our sin, put that behind us, and turn to our Savior. We wouldn't want to disappoint him. We, we would want to be appreciating his grace, his mercy, his love, his redemption, valuing that. We would value that way more than we do the sin that we live in our lives. So that's what it would look like to awaken to him. And so that's, that's the first word there. When I awake, this, David says in this song, when I awake, I'll see your face in righteousness. When I awake, 
And he says, I will be satisfied. A lot of things in this world that we go hard after, thinking we'll be satisfied. Well, if I just had that car, if I just had that house, if I just had that job, if I just had that friend, if I just had that, 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 whatever. We, we, tr- we try to physically attach ourselves to things of this world that we think will make us satisfied. We won't be satisfied in the things of this world. There's verse 14 of chapter 17 says, From men with your hand, O Lord, from men of the world. There are two different kinds of people in this world. There are people of the world and people of the Lord. There are people who are seeking the world. There are people who are seeking the Lord. That's a a great divide. And, And we will not find satisfaction when we are seeking the world. We will only find satisfaction when we're seeking the Lord. I, I would invite you to go back and in your reading last week and sometime today look back at Psalm 73. I love that psalm. It's a great psalm. The psalmist says, you know, hey, look, man, I almost, almost stumbled. I almost missed it. I, I was looking upon all these people and and, and they weren't seeking God, and they looked so blessed. They wore pride as a necklace, and boy, everything in their life seemed to be good. They were just, they were just filled to the fatness of life. And, and he said, then I entered your sanctuary, and I realized you, God, are where it's at. You're where satisfaction is. The things of this world aren't satisfying. Being in your presence is satisfying. Being being in a relationship with you is what brings satisfaction because I entered into your sanctuary. I entered into your the holy space, the presence of God. And, and there has to be an understanding that things of this world will not satisfy us. But the things of God, when we focus on God, those things satisfy us. John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus tells us this. I, I want to read there. I, I'm going to flip over and... John chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Let me just tee that one up here for a minute. We've got the woman at the well, and and she's coming every day to drink from this water, to get this water. And and Jesus tells her, say, hey, if you'll drink of me, you'll thirst no more. He's telling her he is the living water. If you drink living water, you'll thirst no more. And she says, where do you get this water from? Because she's tired of coming back and forth to the well every day. Can I tell you in, in, in just life, let's apply this to life. We can continually seek the things of this world and we'll continually be thirsty, we'll continually be longing, we'll never be satisfied. But I can speak from personal experience and, and many of you can agree with me because you've done it when you seek God and He fills you, that is enough. You recognize that when we're filled by God, the things of this world, are, they pale dimly in comparison to the things of God. So I would just invite you to, to long for God, to, to seek God, to, to awaken to that longing and find satisfaction in God. That's where true satisfaction comes from. Nowhere else can our thirst be quenched like being with God. God fills us. The third word here says, with your presence. When I awake, I will be satisfied with your presence. Desiring the presence of God is vitally important in our life. I've talked some about that this morning and referencing it because it's hard to talk about awakening and being satisfied without dealing with the presence of God. 
We can have the very presence of God in our life. We can enter into worship with Him. We can, we can experience God in a real way in our personal life. Someone said uh, recently, I was watching a post, and they said, you, you, uh, you say you can't see God. You don't, you don't believe in God because you, you can't be in His presence. You don't, you don't know that there is a God. You don't believe there's a God because you can't feel a God, see a God, touch a God. We can't feel COVID-19, we can't see COVID-19, but you don't have any problems believing in that, is what the guy said. We shape our lives, change our lives because of something we can't see, we can't feel. And we'll do that with a virus, yet we won't do that with God. And you say, well, how, but Scott, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my life and I, I'm, I'm changing things about my life because of COVID-19 because I can see the effects of COVID-19. I, I get it. People are dying. People get sick. There's a test. We can, we can see that COVID-19 is out there, but we can't see COVID-19. Well, can I tell you, there's a, there's a test you can put to a relationship with God. There is a God in this world. We can see the evidence of God. So amazingly, we can see the evidence of God, not only in the physical world, but in personal lives. We can see the evidence of God. I can evidence that God is real in my life. I, I've got things that happen in my life that evidence to me that God is alive and working in my life. And if you'll trust in the Lord, there'll be evidences in your life that God is real and God is moving. So um, we, we, we'll change our lives for a disease or for a virus or for things that we can't see but we see the effects of why would we not change our lives for a god that we can't touch but we see the evidence of we need his presence and his presence is afforded to us he he longs to be with us he longs for us to long for him and i just got to ask when was the last time you desired god's presence when, when was when was the last time in your personal life where you said, I just want to be with God. I just long to be with God. I, my wife and I have a special relationship, and I use her as an illustration quite often. And uh, she, she's gotten better with it anyhow. <laughs> so have my kids. Uh, but I, I just live life. This is right here. This is where I live. And, and my life is, is real. And I have real relationships. And you know, I, I went, went off uh, for a night this week and, and was out of town. And, and when I returned, um, Krista said, you know, I, I missed you. I, I miss being with you. And well, I missed her too. Um, you know, we don't like to be apart from each other for any length of time. I, I like her presence. I, I, I married her. And 28 years ago, I found a jewel. I just like being with her. I enjoy her presence. And I long for that presence. I long to be with her. The same thing with God. For 17 years, I've longed to be with God. I long for his presence. How long can I get away from my wife before I'm like, man, I really want some time with my wife. And how long can I get away from God before I'm like, man, I just really want some time with God. You know, I, I, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. I've had seasons in my life where, man, I read every day several times a day. I just consume large blocks of scripture, spend a lot of time in prayer. I've had times in my life where things were difficult and just didn't spend as much time in scripture, didn't spend as much time in prayer. And what I noticed was there was an, an awakening, an, an awareness that I wasn't, and I longed for it. And I wanted more of scripture. I wanted more of time with God. 
And, and I'm, that is very encouraging to me. And I hope you've experienced what I'm talking about. That longing that you miss it. You want something. You, you're wanting some time with God. Because I'm telling you, when we go and we spend dedicated time with God, we set aside time, we make him a priority in our life. He shows up. He shows up in a big way. He makes a difference in our lives. And, and we can experience God living in our life. But if we push him back, we push him back. We exclude him from our life. We don't bring him into our plans. We don't seek his plan for our life. I'm telling you, he'll sit back. We see that with Saul. Saul didn't invite him, didn't go after him, didn't pursue God, uh, God at all. Saul pursued David. And, and David pursued God. And we see where as David pursued God, as David sought him, David longed for a relationship with God. We see that God showed up in his life. We've got to desire his presence. Long to be with him. I, I referenced Psalm 73, so let me, just, uh, let me just flip over there real quick. I want to read one, script, one verse of Scripture in Psalm 73, the last verse. Verse 28, but as for me, the psalmist says, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. Did you get that? As for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. So he made God a refuge. God was his focal point. God was where he went and rested. God was where he ran to. God was where he wanted to reside. And in, in that desiring God, as for me, the nearness of God is my good. He knew the nearness of God. Let me ask you today, do you know the nearness of God? The presence of God will satisfy us when we awaken to his call in our life. When we are lulled to sleep and we don't allow God to be the Lord of our lives. When we just do life and we get so busy with life, we find ourselves asleep at the wheel instead of awakened. We search in this whole world for a lot of things, seeking to be satisfied. We come up thirsty. And we find presence with people, but that's never enough. When we find the presence of God in our life, we're satisfied and awaken to a greater hunger for him. I hope that hunger's in your life. I hope you long for him. We'll have a time of invitation here. And in your home and your hearts right now, I want to invite you to analyze, are you, to recognize, to think through, are you, are you awakened to that relationship? Are you satisfied in God? Is he present with you in your life? Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We pray, Lord, now as the praise band comes and we enter in a time of invitation lord that you've spoken in our hearts we'll respond to you you call us god to respond so help us respond to you right now rightly father respond to your call on our lives thank you for being a god that longs to be with us for a god that invites us into your presence that lord you satisfy us and lord thank you for bringing us to a place in our life where we're awakened this moment this morning to hear this message move in our hearts we pray and ask in jesus name Amen. Are you hurting and broken within?
Just 
Well, it's going to be good to be with you today. Look forward to the day again that we can gather and and uh, be together again. But until then, hey, you heard that song. What an amazing song. Uh, we can come to the altar. You know, the altar is wherever you are. The church is where you are. You are the church. Now, I know the, the body needs to come together. The Bible tells us, do not forsake the gathering of the body of believers. So we long to come together. God puts in us a spirit of wanting to come together in fellowship and worship together. And we miss those times. But when we're apart as a church, uh, we can still be in the presence of God. God is where you are. Reach out to him. He's reaching out to you. Lord bless you this week as you go about your week. I pray the hedge of protection around you that uh, God would bring an end to this time, this virus, and we would all be healthy and well again. And, uh, you know, there's a lot we can learn from this time of separation. If you need to talk to one of us as ministers or uh, just uh, reach out to us, we, we'd love to uh, talk with you. have got a prayer request. One of the things we have loved to do for so many years is to pray for the body each week and as a staff have prayer requests. So I'd ask you to email those to us or call in the office and tell us how we can pray for you and pray for your family. We, we love having those opportunities to pray for you as the body. And if you've made a decision to follow Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to ask you to reach out to us and let us know that. If there's some commitment you've made, we'd love to celebrate that with you as you journey with Christ. Uh, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to be dismissed. God, thank you again for this time. Lord, bless the people. Place your hedge around us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.